So as you can tell from that scripture reading, we are talking this morning about the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, and we're talking about what it looks like and what it means for us to walk by him and not by our flesh. But that said, right away, I want us all to see specifically how God inspired the Apostle Paul to write this passage, because it's really helpful. So notice, yes, that is our topic, and yet our passage doesn't say, walk by the Spirit and don't walk by the flesh. I think we can easily read it that way because we like the simplicity of do this and don't do that. But that's actually not what God's Word says. Rather, the Bible clearly says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You see the difference? And that's important because technically then, the Bible here isn't giving a thing to do and a thing not to do. Rather, there's one big thing in our passage, walk by the Spirit. And when we do that, we won't gratify the desires of the flesh, but still, the main command here is singular. It's to walk, to live our lives by the Spirit. Which means for us, we really want to understand what this means to to walk by the person of the Holy Spirit. And moreover, we want to make sure we actually do it. Which brings us to an outline for this morning. So with that said, concerning our time together this morning, our outline will be a little bit different than is normal for us. Because while verses 16 through 18 will be our main verses this morning, In order to more fully understand what it means to walk by the Spirit, we will cover this passage, but we'll also look elsewhere in Galatians 2. And to do that, we're going to, this morning, have three different sections together, three different sections. So first, before we actually look at verses 16 through 18, we're going to look at Galatians as a whole to see who the Spirit is and what it might mean to walk by Him. And we're going to do that so we may better understand what Paul means when he says, walk by the Spirit. And so that'll be our first section. And then second, we'll finally come to our passage here in verses 16 through 18. And we're going to see what it means, what it doesn't mean to walk by the Spirit. And then third and finally, most practically, we're then going to take everything we've seen together and ask the question, so what does it mean practically for me to walk by the Spirit? And in that section, as you can see in the title, if you have a bulletin, we're going to have four practical relational takeaways. And so in summary, first, the Spirit in Galatians. Second, what it doesn't mean to walk by the Spirit in our passage here. And then third, and most practically, we're going to put it all together for us. And again, remember, and the goal, the goal of all of this is to not just leave here understanding the Bible or the Spirit more, but especially with a passage like this, our goal, brothers and sisters, is to really walk by him more, right, for our good and for God's glory. But that said, let's start then our first section here. And again, in this section, we won't be in verses 16 through 18 yet. Instead, we're going to look at the Spirit in all of Galatians thus far. And we do this because if you want to think about it this way, it is interesting that now here in Galatians 5 verse 16, Paul generally says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. And as he does so, he doesn't explain the Spirit himself that much. He just kind of commands, walk by the Spirit. And then he talks about the results of that, which are not gratifying the flesh. And thinking about it, he does that probably because The Spirit himself has already been mentioned seven times in Galatians thus far. 
Seven times. And so if we were the Galatians 2,000 years ago, reading this letter and we were doing so carefully, by the time we got here, we'd sort of already have an understanding of who this spirit is and, and what it might mean for us to walk by him. And so for us, essentially what we're going to do here is we're going to look at those seven times to understand ourselves who the spirit is and what it might mean to walk by him. And to do this, we're going to organize all those seven references under three simple questions about the Spirit of God. Three simple questions. First, how do we receive him or begin by him? Second, and, and who even is he? And then third and finally, we're going to ask, and what has been said so far about how he impacts our lives or walking by him? So in short, how do we begin by him? Who even is he? And what does walking by him look like so far in Galatians? So let's take this one at a, time, at a time. And as we do so, just so you know, we are going to be turning to a handful of places in Galatians here quickly. And as we do that, since Galatians is such a small book, only five or ten max pages in your Bible, I do encourage you uh, to turn there with us for each verse. You don't need to, as we're going to be reading the verses out loud. But in a way, what we're about to do here is a sort of theology of the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, thus far in Galatians. And so I want you to turn to these places for yourself and see them for yourself because remember, we never do theology just for theology's sake. Instead, what we're going to be doing here is, is learning about the Spirit so that each one of us may understand Him more and then practically walk by Him more. But let's begin then with our first question about the Spirit, which is how do we receive Him or begin by Him? Meaning, before we even talk about walking by him, right, we need to know how sinners like us can even start with him or have the Spirit. And for this, we're going to be in a few different verses, but we'll start in Galatians 4.29. Galatians 4.29. So turn with me there if you can. Galatians 4.29. It's just a little bit left in your Bibles. And here, we're going to see the beginning of the Spirit's saving work in our lives. Galatians 4.29. But just as at that time he who was born according to flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. So we'll go here first simply because logically this is how we ultimately begin with the spirit or how he begins savingly with us. We're born according to the spirit. Meaning we're born again as Jesus talked about as the spirit gives us new life. And that's foundational. Which leads us to another passage about this. And this will tell us when that happens. Now, so for this, turn me to Galatians 3. Galatians 3. So a little further left. And here we're going to see two references to the Spirit, both in verses 2 and 3. So Galatians 3, 2 and 3. Look down at your Bibles. The Bible says, Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So now you can see where that language that we're using of beginning and receiving the Spirit comes from. Because those are the words that Paul decides to use. And, and when do we receive him, begin by him? Well, it's when we hear with faith. And in context of Galatians, this does mean hearing the gospel of Jesus and trusting in Jesus. And so for us, we do at a certain point begin and receive in a special way the person of the Spirit of God. And that happens when we trust Jesus. 
Which leads to one final quick verse on the beginning, our beginning with the Spirit. And this is Galatians 3.14. So a little further in Galatians 3. Galatians 3.14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. And so again, this shows us that we receive the Spirit through faith. But then also this verse adds that the fact of receiving God's spirit through faith is what God promised in the Old Testament as we started our service with and it's what God still promises to people today. The promise is that anyone who trusts in Jesus Christ in the gospel receives the blessing of the person of the spirit. The third person of the trinity. And so so that's us beginning and receiving the Spirit. We're, We're born again through him. And then as we trust in Jesus in the gospel, as we trust that Jesus came, lived, died, rose, that he's God, Savior, and Lord, then he's reigning and coming back one day. When that happens, we begin and receive the Spirit personally. And that means practically that if you do genuinely trust Jesus in the gospel, you do have the Spirit of God in you. It's amazing. He's there in you. And you can be sure of that. That then leads to our second question about the Spirit in Galatians. And that's, but who is he? And we ask this second because I think for many of us, we we know we have the Spirit. We might have known everything we just talked about. But then we kind of wonder, but, but who is he really? We know he's God and we should know that, but is there anything else about him that would help us understand who he is, what he's like? And to answer that in Galatians so far, we're just going to go one verse, one verse in Galatians 4, 6. So it should be near there, Galatians 4, 6. So look with me there if you can. And on this verse, this is one of the most important verses in the Bible on walking, or one of the most important verses in Galatians on walking by the Spirit. And so we'll talk about it more in a minute. But as we read it this first time, just listen and ask yourself, who is he, the Spirit? Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And so who is the Spirit? Well, very simply, but also very intentionally and profoundly here in Galatians, the Bible says he is the spirit of God's son. Meaning he is the spirit of Jesus Christ himself in us. And now this doesn't mean that he's not his own person or member in the Trinity. He is. And if we had more time this morning, we can go to many places in the New Testament to prove that. But for our sakes here in Galatians, who is he, the spirit? Well, he is the spirit of Jesus. And so in one sense, he isn't Jesus, as there are three persons in the Trinity. And yet still, when we think of who the spirit is and what he's like, the Bible here wants us to think of Jesus. And remember, in Galatians here, this is the Jesus who saves us in the gospel. And so that's who the Spirit is. He is the Spirit of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And practically, that's why we can say that Jesus, though Jesus is the resurrected one who really is bodily the God-man right now, it's why we can say Jesus is with us because he is with us by his Spirit. And also practically, this means that if you ever encounter someone talking about 
or engaging with a spirit that people say is the Holy Spirit, but then in how that spirit acts or in what that spirit is like, that spirit doesn't seem to be much like Jesus, then it's a clear sign that something's really off. And specifically, it's a clear sign that it isn't the spirit of God. Because there are many spirits out there. The Bible is very clear about that. But the spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, as he's often called in the Bible, is the spirit of the Son. It is Jesus' spirit. And so for us, that's who we're trying to walk by. But also, that's also, by the way, why, if you ever thought about this, why walking by the Spirit is very similar to following Jesus. Which finally leads us to our third and last question on the Spirit in Galatians. So thanks for sticking with us. And for this, though, we're going to now ask, and what's been said so far about what he does in our lives or walking by him? And to begin on this question, we're actually going to read just verse four or verse six of chapter four there again. And we just read this to see who the Spirit is, but now notice what he does in our lives. Galatians 4, 6. Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So just taking that verse, you can see it. What is said here about walking or living by the Spirit Well, doing that will look like having an intimate relationship with God the Father, which makes sense since the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus, the Son, right? And so walking and living by him includes this vibrant relationship with God the Father where we speak to him like we see here with Abba Father, but more on that later. And so that's the first thing uh, so far in Galatians about how the Spirit affects our lives. But now second on this, turn me back to Galatians 3. Galatians 3. So you should be around there. We read verses 2 and 3 earlier. But the Spirit is also mentioned in Galatians 3, 5. So again, thanks for sticking with us. This shows us more about what walking by the Spirit looks like though. And for the sake of context, we're going to read Galatians 5, 3, 5, and 6. Galatians 3, 5, and 6. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you And works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So notice here, technically in in these verses, it's God the Father, he, who is doing two things in these Galatian churches. Two things. One, he's continually supplying the spirit to them. And number two, God the Father is working miracles among them. So that's what God is doing. But then what are the Galatians themselves doing in those two things? Simply one thing. Hearing with faith. Like Abraham. And so that means when the spirit, according to these verses, is being supplied in our lives, to use that language, what do we do here? Well, one thing. We hear God with faith. Like Abraham heard God and believed. And so those past two things, number one, walking by the Spirit means this intimate relationship with God where we talk to God like Abba Father. Number two, the Spirit is supplied in this relationship when we hear God and believe God. Which leads to our final and seventh verse on the Spirit so far in Galatians. So thanks for sticking with us throughout all these verses. But now for this last reference, Galatians 5.5. This is the last thing that Paul has said so far, which will lead us to our passage this morning. Galatians 5.5 about the Spirit. Paul writes, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope 
of righteousness. So what does the person of the Spirit do in our lives here? Well, as you can see, through the Spirit, we eagerly wait and hope. Meaning, finally here, the Spirit of God enables us, stirs us to hope, to look forward to the coming back of Jesus Christ and the beautiful righteousness for us and for the whole world when that happens. And so again, that's a lot, but I hope we all have now somewhat of a better understanding of who this is. Because he's real and he's God, the person of the Spirit. We're born by him. We receive him and begin by him when we trust Jesus in the gospel. He is the spirit, the presence of Jesus himself. We talk intimately to God through him. We hear God with faith through him and we wait for Jesus to come back through him. That is the spirit of God so far in Galatians. And for now, we actually won't apply all that to ourselves just yet. We will in our whole third section together. But for now, just know that that's the spirit that Paul has been talking about so far in this letter. And therefore, those are the things we're to have in mind when we read, walk by the spirit. Which leads us to our second section now. And again, we're going to apply everything in the third section. But now, we're just going to come to our passage that we read this morning in Galatians 5, 16 through 18. So look with me there if you can. Galatians 5, 16 through 18. And here, as I said earlier, we're going to see what it doesn't look like to walk by the Spirit. And for this here, specifically, we're going to see two things that walking by the Spirit doesn't mean and look like. And we'll take them one at a time. And so for the first thing, look down at just verses 16 and 17. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do and so basically here the first thing we see about what walking by the spirit doesn't mean and look like is quote gratifying the desires of the flesh on the one hand, that's, that's pretty obvious to us because we as Christians basically assume and rightly so that walking by the spirit isn't gratifying the flesh which means giving into our sin. But, but notice, that said, the Bible here doesn't say that if and when we sin and gratify the flesh, we lose the spirit or anything. Instead, the Bible is saying that gratifying the flesh isn't walking by the spirit. And that's really crucial for all of us to know. We do not lose the spirit of God when we sin. Because remember, He, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, is in us in the first place, not because we're great and obedient enough, but he's in us because of the gospel of Jesus. So we don't lose him by sinning. Rather, the Bible's saying here, when we're gratifying the flesh, we're not walking by the Spirit. He's there if we trust in Jesus, but we're choosing our flesh instead. And the reason it all works like this is because of what Paul said in verse 17, that the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit are against, they are opposed to one another because the spirit of God, if we're Christians and our sin are still both in us, but we can gratify the flesh and therefore not be walking by the spirit. And finally on these verses, though, at the end of verse 17 there, notice that that Paul says that the spirit and flesh are in us and opposed to each other, quote, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. That's interesting because that may sound as if Paul is saying that the spirit is there 
And he is hindering you from doing the sinful things you really want to do. And to be honest, for most of my life, I have read those verses that way until this past week. But studying it more, in actuality, most scholars agree, especially in the context of all of Paul's writing, that the ending of verse 17 there is the opposite. Because it means that as those who do trust Jesus now, and who are born anew through this person of the Spirit, Paul's point here is that the things that we deeply do want to do now are Christ-glorifying things. I think we'd all agree with that. We are still sinners. And so we do all still struggle with sin and at times want to, of course, sin. But in our hearts, by the Spirit's enablement, we do want to be less selfish. We do want to love more. We do want to not sin. We do want to do good works for Christ. And so Paul is saying that's true, and yet, in this battle of the flesh within us, the flesh being opposed to the Spirit keeps us from doing these good things we want to do. And this fits with what Paul says elsewhere, you might know famously, like in Romans 7, where he says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. That's what I think he's talking about here at the end of verse 17. But that's then verses 16 and 17, the first thing that walking by the Spirit doesn't mean. It doesn't mean and look like gratifying the flesh. And we will apply that more in the third section. But that then leads to verse 18. And in verses 16 and 17, I think, are a little more obvious to us. Now here in verse 18, we'll see something that perhaps is a little less obvious to us, and it's definitely less talked about. But let's read it now. Look down in your Bibles, Galatians 5, 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. (laughs) So, So this is a fascinating verse. And to us at first, I'm sure it's a little bit confusing, but notice. So in verses 16 and 17, Paul contrasts walking by the Spirit and gratifying the flesh. But now here in verse 18, what does he contrast? Being led by the Spirit versus being under the law. Led by the Spirit versus under the law. And in context, the law that he's referring to here is the Old Testament law. And this is the argument that he's been making over and over in Galatians. We are saved by the gospel of Jesus alone, and we are no longer under that Old Testament law. But that said, to specifically bring up the law here, when talking about walking by and being led by the Spirit is fascinating. Because think about it, especially after verses 16 and 17 about the flesh, Someone could come in and be like, yep, we don't want to gratify the flesh. We want to walk by the Spirit. And so we need to go back to obeying the law. That's why we need all these rules. Because we want to walk by the Spirit. But I think that's why Paul writes verse 18 right there. Because if you are led by the Spirit, yes, you are not gratifying the flesh. And though, at the same time, you are not under the law either. It's both. Now, unless, let's be really clear, he's not teaching that being led by the Spirit means you're lawless and just do whatever you want. Of course not, because that would be of the flesh. And that's why he's about to give, come back next week, he's about to give all these examples of what the flesh looks like uh, versus what the fruit of the Spirit is next week. So come back for that. But he's not here commending lawlessness then. And yet, though, the Bible is saying here that being led by the Spirit isn't something where we all of a sudden go back to mostly obeying rules. 
It isn't something where we go back to thinking that our relationship with God now is based on obedience to rules. And that's, that's really helpful, isn't it? Because I, I think that after verses 16 and 17, which are much more famous of verses, we can start to think that if we want to walk by the Spirit, then doing so must mainly be about obeying a bunch of rules. I mean, look at how many people in churches even think this. They want to not gratify the flesh, which is a good thing, and therefore, they make all these extra-biblical rules to try to make sure that doesn't happen. But that's why we don't only need verses 16 and 17, but we need verse 18. Because if we are led by the Spirit, we more and more aren't gratifying the desires of the flesh, and as we are led by the Spirit, we are not under the law. And again, in context, Paul is here talking about the Old Testament law, but that applies to us whenever we go back to thinking our relationship with God or our walking by the Spirit is mainly about rules, about law-keeping. It's not. We are not saved by law-keeping, and we don't ultimately live by law-keeping. That's been the message of Galatians over and over and over. And so that's verses 16 through 18 in our second section. What does walking by the Spirit not mean and look like? Well, it doesn't mean gratifying the flesh. And also, though, it doesn't mean being under the law again. Which finally brings us to our third and last section. So I know this, is, this has been a front-loaded message with a lot of information. But now, we did all that because now with everything that we've seen thus far in Galatians and because of what we just saw with Paul telling us of what walking by the Spirit doesn't look like, we can now try to answer our question. Okay, so what does walking by the Spirit practically mean for you and I in our lives? And to answer that, essentially, we're going to put together everything we've seen and try to apply it to us. And as a quick side note, as we do this, remember, the Spirit is in us and stays with us because of the gospel alone. All right, we never earn his presence. And so in all this, please keep the gospel in mind. And also quickly remember, the Spirit here is a person. He's not a force. And so when talking about walking by the Spirit, we need to keep in mind that he is a person. But with those two things said, here then are those four main practical relational takeaways from all this. And if you are taking notes and this helps, these are some main applications to jot down. So after everything we've seen, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Well, number one, and perhaps most important, walking by the Spirit means having a verbal relationship with God the Father and God the Son through Bible reading and prayer. Let me say that again. Number one, walking by the Spirit means having a verbal relationship with God the Father and God the Son through Bible reading and prayer. And I know saying it like that, with a verbal relationship with God the Father and God the Son, may sound a little bit muddled, but I think it's a helpful way of talking about it because here's what I mean. So first, theologically, and and talking about really who God himself is, theologically like that, we know from Galatians, we also know from other places in the Bible, and we know even just from the names of the persons in the Trinity, concerning the Trinity, we know that the Father has eternally loved his Son as his Son. And we know that the Son has eternally loved his Father as his Father. And and then classically, the Spirit has often been described as the personal love between the Father and the Son. 
And I know that may sound confusing, but it's really helpful because if you think about it, that in essence is what the triune God has revealed about himself, especially with just the names of the persons in the Trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit. And that matters for us because thinking about that, for us then to walk by the Spirit, it would make sense for us to be loving the Father and loving the Son because that's what the Spirit has basically been doing forever in the Trinity. And we just enter into that. It's amazing. And so that's theologically why walking by the Spirit means having a relationship with God the Father and God the Son. As the Apostle John says in 1 John 3, you might know this verse, he opens his letter by saying, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. But then, as to why this is a verbal relationship through Bible reading and prayer, well, in basic, remember what's been said so far about the Spirit in Galatians. Because in chapter 3, Paul showed us how walking by the Spirit or being supplied by the Spirit included hearing God with faith like Abraham. And so for us, if through the same Spirit we want to hear God with faith, where do we go? Well, we go to God's Word. Because this is where God speaks today. And so that's why Bible reading has to be a big part of walking by the Spirit. But then also, remember Galatians 4. Where Paul also said that that, that that same spirit enables us to cry out, Abba, Father, which is basically prayer. And so really, it is the spirit of God who enables us to verbally hear God's word, which we do when we read the Bible. And it is the spirit of God who enables us to verbally talk back to God, which is what we call prayer. And therefore, for us, that's foundational to walking by the spirit. And to be clear, we're not talking about Bible reading and prayer just because these have become popular to talk about in church. Rather, it's because this is how the Spirit himself has existed from all eternity. In a relationship with the Father and the Son. And we just enter into that. And it's because in Galatians, again, the Spirit makes us hear God with faith. And the Spirit allows us to talk back intimately to God, which is prayer. And so church, let's not downplay those two things. I know we hear it all the time, but let's be really clear. If you or I want to walk by the Spirit, we must, by the Spirit's enablement, of course, but we must read our Bibles and hear and believe what God says here, and we must pray and talk to God. Amen. Because that is a huge part of who the Spirit of God is. <laughs> and so if we don't do those things, we won't be walking by the Spirit. Which leads to the second practical relational takeaway. And this one now comes from the main passage we covered in verses 16 through 18 this morning. So walking by the Spirit means having a verbal relationship with the Father and the Son. But then as a result of that, walking by the Spirit also means, number two, that we try not to gratify our flesh, but not mainly because we have to, but because more and more we want to. Let me say that again. Walking by the Spirit, number two, means we try not to gratify our flesh, but not mainly because we have to, but because more and more we want to. And for this, this, doesn't, this does mean that sinners like us are to fight sin. I want to be clear about that. The Bible is clear about that. We are to fight sin by the Spirit. But again, when we say that, 
we need to remember that in our passage this morning, the emphasis wasn't on rules or on just the negative or fighting sin. Instead, the emphasis is on positively walking by the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. And then you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so for us, practically this means that we should think about walking by the Spirit and even fighting sin mainly as a positive thing. And that's why on this second takeaway, we're saying that we don't gratify the flesh, but not mainly because we have to not gratify the flesh, but instead because more and more, that's what we want to do. By the Spirit's help, more and more, we want to be holy because that would be walking by the Holy Spirit. Or think about it this way, the Spirit. If we just want to talk about Him for a second, talk about God for a second, the Spirit Himself He is not selfish, not contentious, not lustful, not unkind, and not any other sin, but he is not that way because he has to not do those things. (laughs) Instead, he doesn't do those things. God is not like that because he doesn't want to do those things. (laughs) Because that's who God is. That's who the Spirit of God is. And so it should be more and more with us as we are walking by him. So he's the third practical and relational takeaway on walking by the Spirit. And we didn't, and we won't talk about this as much this week, but this takeaway connects to what we saw last week, and it connects a lot to what's to come next week. And it's number three. Walking by the Spirit means we walk in love and all the other things listed in the fruit of the Spirit. Number three, I'll say it again. Walking by the Spirit means we walk in love and, and, and in all the other things listed in the fruit of the Spirit. All right, and this in some ways is just the flip side of the second takeaway, but the Spirit leads us not only to not want to sin, but of course, he leads us to willingly love and all the other things listed in his fruit, Amen. which we'll talk about next week. Which finally leads to the fourth and final takeaway about walking by the Spirit. And this is one that I'll admit that I probably wouldn't have listed in a message like this as something we do by the Spirit before I studied Galatians. But it's just, this is something that's so obvious that the Spirit does in one of our verses here in Galatians that I think we have to include it. And so perhaps, thinking about this, perhaps for most of us, the three relational takeaways we just covered are really the main things that we probably think about when we think about walking by the Spirit. Right? We think of a relationship with God, we think of not sinning, and we think of loving and doing all these other positive things, which is all good. And so what else is there? Well, remember Galatians 5.5. 5. Because there, Paul is so clear about something else the Spirit does in us. And what is it? We read it earlier. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 5, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. And so for us, practically, I think we have to say that number four, walking by the Spirit also means actively looking forward to what's to come when Jesus comes back. Number four, walking by the Spirit means actively looking forward to what's to come when Jesus comes back because the Bible's clear, through the person of the Spirit, we do that. And quickly, on this last takeaway, we may think that this fourth one is kind of the least practical out of the four, but I think that's just because we simply don't do this as much. Because yes, we know we as Christians should read our Bibles and pray, and yes, we should fight sin and try to love, but also... Think about what would happen if in our lives we frequently, and I mean frequently, looked happily to the coming back of Jesus. 
I mean, what if we, so in tune with the person of the Spirit, often throughout our days, stopped focusing so much on all the things in front of us and instead focused on the glory to come? I mean, what, what would happen if you and I were a lot more like that? Well, in short, I think we'd all agree that changes change us a lot. It would change our perspective. It would make us people who trust God more, pray more, read our Bibles more, sin less, and love more. And why? Well, because we'd be people of more biblical, eager hope. And the point is that's because that hope and eagerly waiting for Jesus' return is something the Spirit himself produces in us. And so that's practically why that's the fourth way to walk by the Spirit. And so church, that's our four practical relational takeaways on what it means to walk by the Spirit. There, of course, could be more said if we looked at other places in the Bible. But in summary of what we saw this morning and basically all of Galatians, walking by the Spirit means, number one, having a verbal relationship with God through Bible reading and prayer. Number two, it means willingly fighting our sin. Number three, it means seeking to love and display the Spirit's fruit more. And finally, number four, walking by the Spirit means eagerly hoping and looking forward to Jesus' return. Amen. And so quickly, in closing then, I just have one admonition for myself and for all of us. And, so, and it's clearly okay, so we know more now but our goal now is to actually go and do this. As God's word says to all of us, but I say walk by the Spirit. That's our goal. That's our joy. That's our privilege. And one last time though, remember as we close that we do this, we strive to walk by the Spirit, not because we have to to be good enough or we have to be Spirit-filled enough to be okay with God or anything. Because remember, we are 100% loved and okay with God now and forever because of what Jesus has done. We trust Him alone in the gospel, full stop. That's still true. And though, as those saved by Jesus, as those who want to live for Jesus, We do have this blessing of the Spirit of God within us and the privilege of being able to walk by Him. And so let's do it more and more. By the Spirit's enablement, don't let's just be something you heard this morning. Instead, let's go and read our Bibles a lot and pray a lot. By the Spirit's enablement, let's willingly fight sin and seek to love people well. And by the Spirit's help, let's hope and look forward to when Jesus comes back because that is walking by the Spirit.